0: Welcome back to the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute.
1: Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. And woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so their fathers used to treat the false prophets. It's Luke six twenty six. And on that note, I welcome you to another episode of the podcast for Cultural Reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute and also hosted on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. I'm Ryan Aris, and it's my pleasure to be joined again, as ever, by Dr. Joe Boot. Welcome, Joe. Good to see you.
0: Good to see you as well great to be back.
1: Absolutely. For another week. Another week. And as uh, regular listeners, will uh, we'll be familiar with the fact that we're working through a series on the Ten Commandments right now. Uh, we are, we're just exactly at the midway point. Uh, last week, we we hosted uh, Pastor Joel Webin of Right Response Ministries talking about the Fifth Commandment. We've got five to go. Next week, Kyle Thompson of the Undaunted Life podcast is going to be with us talking about the 6th commandment. Today in between 5 and 6 we're going to take a uh, take a short recess from that series. We're going to be talking today about what uh, what we might call the state of the nation. And because uh, because we have in the past year as as an institute, as a ministry, We've gone international ourselves. We're actually resident and operative in three nations: in the in Canada, as always, uh, in the United States, and uh, in the UK in England. So we're going to be sort of taking some uh, some choice news items, updates from these areas, and run it through some uh, some reformational commentary. And Joe, I spoiler. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not looking good. Think, things are. There are difficult <laughs> things going on in the world. Uh,
0: I'm not sure how much of a spoiler that is, but. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, as a just by way of a quick uh, quick summary here. Uh, we've got a uh, a compromised church and the, the fracturing of it in the uh, the Anglican Fellowship globally. Uh, we've got breakdown of social interactions, uh, particularly regarding sexuality and identity, uh, and they're uh, their accompanying legal and physical enforcement. We've got restriction of access to certain, uh, certain information and content. And on the other side, we've got, uh, we've got compelled uh, content and uh, media quotas. We have exposure of conspiracy in civil government, and there's the the attendant media feeding frenzy around that. And finally, we have uh, what's probably best called wars and rumors of wars. Uh, so these things we're going to be going to be dealing with, um, and I get the the question uh, as we uh, as we sort through this. Uh, first of all, are we are we living in times that are unusually or inordinately uh, dangerous and unstable? Uh, and if so, uh, or in any event, what uh, what is the Christian hope and the Christian response? So that's uh, by God's grace where we're going to be going today and I want to, uh, Actually, Joe, I'll, uh, I'll I'll turn it over to you. Where do you where do you want to begin? Which of these uh, Which of these events or stories do you uh, do you want to get to right off the, st- the start?
0: Well, I think perhaps the first thing to to say is that as you've read from the scriptures, that as we look at just a few of these items over over thirty minutes here or so we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, scripture does remind mm-hmm. us uh, not to be surprised as though something strange were happening to you. Jesus made very, very clear that if the world hated me, uh, it's going to hate you as well. And uh, those two passages that you read, actually, I think from the, the uh, Beatitudes in Matthew and uh, and, and Luke are very, very telling, aren't they? That we're blessed when we are persecuted for righteousness sake, when you're reviled, when you're hated and people say all kinds of evil falsely against you because of me. Now, of course, it is important to say at the outset that as we look at, especially what's happening to Christians around the world and, and, and and the Christian church, that it doesn't say you're blessed um for uh being um a fool. Uh That's right. it doesn't say that you're blessed when you're persecuted because people tell the truth about your bad conduct uh about your poor witness. Um the 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 blessing is predicated upon the persecution being because of the stand for Christ and with Christ for righteousness sake. Um mm-hmm. not for mm-hmm. um uh, foolishness not for uh, f- uh, uh violence um not for uh, returning hatred with hatred and cursings for cursings and so it is significant that you know we should we should be ready to to do a little jig to uh uh to do the dance as um uh I f- w- which comedian is that um from um Evan Almighty, Steve Corral, I think it is. Do the dance um, <laughs> f- when when you're when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake mm-hmm. uh, to be ready to to actually thank the Lord when we're given the privilege uh, of 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 suffering um, because of Christ. And Paul talked a lot, didn't he, about the 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 privilege of fellowship in the sufferings, of sharing in the sufferings. Of Christ. And we know that that is part of the calling of the Christian. Now, of course, the intensity of that changes and shifts, uh, depending on the cultural moment in which, which you occupy. Um, none of us should be looking for or hoping for suffering and persecution. We don't have a martyr complex. We don't have a, the, the Christian is the last person to have a victim mentality. Because the, 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 the true victim, the one who has, who has already suffered for us, uh, and, and we can do no more um, to add to Christ's atoning work, uh, he has suffered once for all the just for the unjust to bring us to God. So we don't look for suffering. We don't look to be victimized. We don't romanticize as Christians. We mustn't romanticize suffering and persecution. But we have to be ready to face it, and the calling of every Christian is to take up our cross and follow Christ, to come and die, to, to, to die to self. And there are times when that is going to mean very real ostracism, um, marginalization, um, mockery, and when it goes beyond that, uh, actual persecution and suffering for Mm -hmm. the sake of christ and so it is challenging as we look around the uh, the the anglosphere right now we we've talked about ezra you know obviously strong in canada and opening the beginnings of our uh, operations in the united states and in england that the anglosphere shares many of these problems many of these issues in common and uh I mentioned maybe first go to the United States, because uh, obviously, when we look at uh, the Anglosphere, we see the same problems, the same challenges, the issues of threats to freedom, uh, the threat to life, the unborn, the threat to the uh, the elderly, the sick, the infirm, the, the threat to liberty through ongoing statist overreach and the... Increasingly, uh, de Christianization and because of repaganization, the increasingly um pagan vision of the state that had a totalitarian concept of the state. We see these things growing around the Anglosphere. We would typically look to the United States to be the, the stronger of the, the nations within the Anglosphere in the area of pushback and resistance to that. And I don't think anything has changed there yet. Uh, depending, of course, on which state you're in. I mean, maybe some in California Mm. would say, hey, why don't you come out here sometime? Um, But uh, (laughs) generally speaking, um, it's in the United States where we still see at the more popular level and also at the uh, political and social level, more meaningful pushback uh, against these things, against uh, radical progressivism, against... Uh, The the critical theory, which is basically a a form of neo-Marxism that has invaded our institutions. It's invaded them in the United States as well, but it's in the U.S. where we see a greater degree of of pushback. Um, And uh, it it, it grabbed my attention this week to see um, uh, a a news article about a new book uh, being released by an American Christian. It's quite a high profile book um, about Christian martyrdom. Uh, and, uh, the author points out that the, 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 the Fox's book of Christian martyrs was once a very popular, well-known, well-read book by Christians. Um, it continues especially, to be. it does continue to be. Um, and it, it, uh, it, particularly focuses of course on, um, the suffering of evangelical Protestant Christians perhaps doesn't give sufficient focus to, uh, Catholic believers who have suffered as well. Um, mm. partly because so much of the, um, the persecution of Protestants during the reformation era, um, uh, was Catholic on, on Protestant. And so there's, a, there's right. an emphasis there that does need correcting needs rectifying to recognize that, that Catholics also suffered and continue to suffer, um, around the world. And that, um, increasingly we're together in that suffering, that marginalization that persecution um so it, it grabbed my attention that this was a, this was actually made kind of headline news there at fox news about this new book it was a, the written by a former spiritual advisor to donald trump um and uh talking about the the need now for an updated version really of that fox's book of martyrs that actually in the last mm-hmm. century ryan the last hundred years more Christians have died for their faith than the previous nineteen hundred put together, and the author that's, is also that's alerting astonishing
1: us to, to think about. To,
0: it is astonishing, yeah. I mean, when you think about that, given the medieval period, the Reformation period, the first four hundred years of the life of the Church, um, that we're seeing more deaths of uh, of Christians in the last hundred years than in those nineteen hundred years um, gone by. And the author also alerts us to the reality that even in the West, in what we used to call Christendom, we are now seeing the uh, what many from the former Soviet Union, from communist China, uh, from others in the, uh, because it's been particularly Marxist regimes that have persecuted Christians in, in, in the, um, the modern world, uh, not just uh, the Islamic world. Uh, But uh, these atheistic regimes that actually uh, the West, as you would expect, having been so penetrated now by neo-Marxism, by uh, critical theory, by radical progressive movements that we are seeing and have been for some time, but it's been ratcheting up, ramping up. We're seeing the beginnings of... um, what these Christians from these other parts of the world, as they look at the West are saying, this is how it started with us. This is how it started for us. It began with pressure on our education, on our families, uh, on our schools, on our institutions. The vice started to tighten. The the net was, was thrown. Legal apparatus was being laid. Uh, for our entrapment, that this is how it started. And when you look at Canada today, for example, and you look at Bill C-4, the conversion therapy ban, uh, you look which at... Which is now um, law. Which is now law, yeah. correct. Uh, you look at the, the Bill C-11, which has just passed the Senate and has gone back now to the House of Commons, uh, yeah. which is a basically a censorship bill. Um, around broadcasting, and it's giving the, the government new powers to control what people are able to to see um, uh, uh, and look at on the internet. You know, and it's targeted around you know Canadian values and Canadian content. Uh, this the, 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 this sort of um, uh, development. Then, of course, the expansion, the massive expansion of Made. Of medical assistance in dying coming uh, this month in in Canada already, which is killing. I think I think it was around ten percent last year of deaths were due to euthanasia. Um, the, we just see, uh, you know, pastors being arrested. There was a there was a case uh, just recently out in Calgary of a pastor who um, focuses on feeding the homeless. Um, street ministry working with the down and outs, who recognizes the uh, the significant uh, detriment, the significant threat to children, uh, to families of this popularization, mainstreaming of um, transvestism, uh, of uh, of um, transsexual uh, behavior, of drag hours, drag queens, and all of that, and he was. Uh, at a public library where uh, an all age drag uh, reading was going on for uh, children. And um, he protested that and he was uh, arrested um, and detained and charged. We've seen students in Ontario being denied access to their own school because they were unwilling to bend to radical progressive indoctrination. And so um, these things on the surface initially seem small. Of course, we sure it, saw it during the COVID era, of the setting aside of, of our constitutional freedoms and, and um, several pastors going to prison, uh, unheard of in the in the Western world previously uh, by their own governments um, since long since since times of persecution hundreds of years ago, um, and so you know, when you look at that broader picture and you hear Christians in other parts of the world who have suffered under um, authoritarian and totalitarian, totalitarian regimes saying, these are, this is how it began for us. And so this particular author of this book in the US is alerting people and saying, you know, there are some similarities to 1930s Europe here uh, in terms of the treatment of, um, religious minorities. And um, it's very interesting, isn't it, how the target is always Christians. You don't see uh, Islam being targeted. You don't see imams being targeted. There was a big controversy here recently broke in the UK, actually, as well, um, around the prevent strategy of the UK government uh, that was supposed to be uh, focused on the what is basically makes up 80% of all terror threats in the United Kingdom from Islamist uh, terror activity. And um, they instead were spending their time, or a good portion of their time, investigating conservative MPs like Jacob Rees-Mogg and um, uh, highlighting television programs like um, The Adventures of Sharp, a sort of um, 19th century um, a hero played by Sean Bean, um, the Bernard Cornwall, I think they are stories, uh, that, that these are a danger for right-wing radicalism. Um, uh, you know, so it's interesting how you see the emphasis of authorities being placed and targeted on Christianity, and that's what this book um, really tries to highlight. And I think, you know, as, that, as a general observation as we look you know, if you wanted a common theme for some of the stories we're looking at,
1: uh, Mm -hmm. it
0: centers around an increasingly overreaching state, uh, Western states that are developing, um, especially in Canada, um, to some degree in the United Kingdom, though not to the same extent, and to some degree in the US, but not to the same extent, uh, the legal apparatus for... Not just the ostracism and marginalisation, but the actual persecution and imprisonment of Christians for their faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Bill C four is is uh, is a is a case in point, we see a similar law in Australia, in parts of That's Australia right. as well.
1: Right. And uh, Joe, before we go further, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't make uh, ba- make our listeners aware that we we deal with these things, and we. Uh, you learn how to deal with these things in depth, uh, in a comprehensive way at training programs like the Worldview Leadership Academy and the Runner Academy and the Christianity and Culture Colloquium, uh, all of which uh, we, are, we are running this spring and summer uh, in the U.S. and in Canada. Those programs are for people who, well, among other things, are watching the news are living in the world and are seeing things like a, a pastor arrested for speaking out against you know exposing children to vulgarity at a public library they're seeing that it's it's the pastor who's getting arrested and charged and they're thinking that's not right how, but how how do i how do i respond how do i process this i know it isn't right help uh, and these, these training programs, one of the things that they will do that you will learn is a religious, philosophical foundation for understanding wh- why is that not right? Why, why do I have a natural revulsion and a natural, my natural sense of justice is twigged in favor of, of that pastor? Come to these programs. Uh, information is on the website, EzraInstitute.com. And uh, you can uh, you can register and apply for for one or more of those uh, of those programs, and we'll uh, we'll hope to see you there for a more in depth uh, training in uh, in these kinds of issues. Um. <clears throat> all right, moving uh, moving brightly along. Um, we've uh, w- one of the things that we've talked about uh, several times here. Uh, is the uh, and that uh, I know is a, a particular thing on your heart, Joe? Is the uh, the compromise of the Church of England and the uh, the recent uh, so ele- elevated potential, I guess, to uh, to fracture that uh, that global Anglican communion? Uh, this has mm-hmm. to do over the uh, the Church of England, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and the decision to to bless uh, same sex unions. And the the pushback from more conservative areas, uh, places like uh, places like Africa, where many bishops and archbishops are saying this is this goes against, and they're they're willing to say we're not going to bless what God calls sin. And there is there's increasing um, increasing division along lines of uh, faithfulness to to. The Word of God uh, within the Church. Uh, maybe you can. Uh, I'm. I'm not an Anglican. I've. I've always been a uh, you know, non-conformist, dissenter, low church kind of uh, kind of background. But you've you've got background in the Anglican Church. Maybe draw out some of some of what this means for uh, for Anglicanism and for Christianity globally.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's uh, important to be reminded in the context of the church, as you've pointed out, that the original confession, the most important confession of the early church was Jesus Christ is Lord. Mm -hmm. And for that, you may lose your head, you might have been thrown to lions, you might have lost your job, you might have been ostracized and, and, and thrown out of your family, you may have been disinherited, it was a very costly thing in the early centuries of the church to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. That was the basic confession at your baptism. And uh, I think that to an extent, we've forgotten about that confession and its significance and its its meaning for us as believers. The reality is that the, the commandments, the commands, I should say, of our commander, the Lord Jesus, uh, are very clear. They are not ambiguous. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what the Lord Jesus requires of us and what is plainly taught in his word is not filled with equivocation. And yet, so often, many Christians seem to be uh, either unaware of what our commander requires us, because don't forget, we are in a spiritual conflict. Ephesians 6 is clear about that. We are at war uh, with the world, the flesh, and the devil, um, the world there meaning the spirit of the world, not creation, but the spirit that's at work within the age. The the flesh being not your own body, but the carnality, the carnal man, the old Adam, the old person, the one in the grip of sin, at enmity with God. And of course, the spiritual enemy, uh, who is the head of which is the, the our adversary, the evil one. Um, and uh, that is a war. It's a conflict. And yet, we seem remiss both about the remembering what the com- the commands of our commander actually are, and when, when they are made clear to us, the response is so often ifs and buts. And um, uh, perhaps uh, in a moment as well, you can just give our audience the name of that book that we mentioned, this new this new um, uh, book of martyrs, and and where they can get it, because I think it will be a, a an important book for Christians going forward to reflect not just on past martyrs, but what the church is facing today, and to be aware of it, to be conscious of it, uh, to be awakened to the reality of it, because that will help us recognize the kind of season that we're in and be alert and watchful. Um, So when believers uh, or professing believers fail to listen to or heed Christ's commands, and we get ifs and buts, and uh, the armor of God, which includes the belt of truth, um, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, when these are not actually put on, you get a radically weakened church and you get uh, a compromised church. Because what happens is the enemy gets in behind our lines, as it were, if I can continue mm-hmm. the metaphor of battle, continue a metaphor from the military, because it's one that the Bible it's does It's God's use. metaphor. Yeah, it's a biblical metaphor, right? Uh, You know, we are we are soldiers of Christ um, and we need to please, Paul says, our commanding officer. Um, So when but when the enemy gets in behind enemy lines and infiltrates the ranks, that's an absolute disaster for any uh, um, military operation. If you think about it in, in, in actual sort of physical military confrontations, if the. If the enemy breaks your ranks and gets in behind enemy lines, and then you're being attacked from both sides, um, it it usually means a profoundly weakened, if not disastrous situation. And some of the African bishops within the Anglican communion have pointed out, as you note, that uh, secularization, progressivism, radical uh, progressivism, forms of neo-Marxism have deeply penetrated into the life of the church and, um, uh, producing basically it, it synthesizes itself with a pseudo Christian theology. So what you have then is something dressed up as Christianity that isn't it's, uh, it's, um, wolves in sheep's clothing as to use another scriptural metaphor. And that means that, uh, you're, you're in a situation where, uh, the flock is being torn apart, because uh, error is masquerading as truth. And so what we're seeing is history beginning to repeat itself. In the mm-hmm. 19th century, the late 19th century, a different form of liberal liberalism, which was another, just a different kind of uh, compromise, synthesis with secularization, with earlier forms of secularization. Birth liberal theologies within the church that denied miracles, denied the resurrection, denied the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, and also attacked some of the same issues, uh, but more subtly, like the issues of human identity, sexuality. Uh, Those were attacked in late 19th century early 20th century liberalism but the culture had not moved sufficiently for it to make any meaningful headway where it made headway was in that demythologizing of the bible in the idea of uh taking scripture and finding the the historical jesus who was uh where where the message was was uh, deracinated really it was it was denuded it was stripped of of its real content uh, of a transcendent god and it was humanized and the result was the um, the decimation in many respects of mainline denominations of a radical culling and emptying of the churches in the 1960s and 70s in particular. Since then and since um, uh, certain evangelical reform movements including we would have to say the charismatic movement within the church there was some Uh, regrowth, um, some retrenchment, some um, renewal within the churches. Now what has happened is with these deep inroads again of forms of secularism, progressivism in a critical theory, neo-Marxist cloak, synthesizing uh, itself um, with a Christian theology and therefore um, distorting it. We've now got wolves in sheep's clothing tearing and rending the flock, uh, destroying really the uh, increasingly the unity of God's people and radically undermining the witness of the church. And so what they were pointing out was, and this has probably been global news, it shouldn't be news to many people that the, uh, although there is often confusion here, the the Church of England, the Anglican Church in England is not the sum total of the the Anglican Communion. Um, for those who are perhaps not so aware in in North America of of the nature of the Anglican Communion, largely because of the the spread of missionary endeavor from England um, uh, throughout the world uh, in the 19th and 20th century. Anglican churches, and Anglicanism is a reformed movement. It's a uh, a reformational movement within the the church. Most of the Puritans were Anglicans. Um, Many of them... Uh, were concerned that the church had lost the, the the impetus of the Reformation and wanted to see greater reform. Uh, we should be reminded as well that the evangelical awakening in England was was led and driven by Anglican clergymen like George Whitfield and and John Wesley. Um, uh, many um, Calvinists, the Thirty Nine Articles of the Church of England are a reformed document, so this is a reformed evangelical church. Now, Anglicanism in England is also. Um, recognized as the established church so uh you rightly point out um that there are non-conformist dissenting churches and so from the time of the glorious revolution in 1688 you you saw more and more space and freedom opened up for uh especially because of the work really of cromwell earlier in the century uh for free independent churches and and um and those churches have enjoyed that freedom now for for many centuries but the the, the recognized church, uh, the state church of which the uh, king is titular head, he cannot function as a priest within the Church of England, but there, there is a, a recognition of the state's submission to Christ in the establishment of the Anglican Church. That has a global arm, and the vast majority of Anglicans today are not in England. Seventy-five percent of global Anglicans are represented. Actually, uh, are found in the in the global South, mainly in Africa. And so, the strength of uh, that Reformed Church is in is today in the South. And what happened was that the uh, last month, the, uh, the 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 bishops within the Church of England, with four opposed, only four opposed. Um, voted along with the uh the three houses of the the synod the the bishops the the, the clergy and the laity to um bless to approve the blessing of same sex unions which is of course one more step towards full recognition of homosexual unions uh, as marriage uh and so the the and the, the fundamental contradiction involved that the african bishops have pointed out of how can the church of jesus christ the church of the living god bless that which is sinful the result has been a massive division in the church of england in england itself which is irreparable now there and the discussions now that are going on are around how to make um the what the what the orthodox anglicans want what the evangelical anglicans want is a visible separation how are people to distinguish now between orthodox, faithful Anglican uh, Christianity that is faithful to the church's um, teachings, the uh, the church's articles, uh, and the church's liturgy, which expresses its faith, um, and those that have walked away from the Bible? From the church's confessions articles and liturgy in this movement to bless sin which many felt didn't go far enough that it should have been a full recognition of same-sex unions and so on so you've got radical division in england itself but this is exploding literally the global anglican communion because the global anglican communion rejects this blessing of sin and so um, we are going to see it's inevitable now um as the these bishops uh, throughout the global south, get together. Um, a formal, there will be a formalized separation. Right now, it's been verbal. They've said they no longer recognize the Archbishop of Canterbury as the head of the church, the Anglican Global Communion. Um, and um, they're already out of fellowship with the liberal Episcopal churches in North America. And now this is a new separation. So, and that separation must come, Ryan. So, I would say this is, in one sense, a bittersweet pill because when you have. Uh, basically um, error, false doctrine, heresy, false teaching in behind uh, the the lines. So when your enemy has become behind your lines, maybe I said it wrong before I said behind enemy lines, but you know what I meant, that the enemy has come in behind your lines um, and is so infiltrated, you actually need a house cleaning. The only way Mm -hmm. to deal with it is to have reform again within the Anglican communion. And I think that this is now being driven. It's being forced on the church is that we have to uh, separate. uh, The scripture says, come out from among them and be ye separate. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Touch not the unclean thing. That's not in reference to unbelievers because otherwise you'd have to take yourself out of the world, Paul says. No, we have to be faithful in our witness to the gospel to them. But when we have professing Christians in the grip of false teaching, rending the flock, allowing the enemy to come in and destroy the life of the church, reformation is absolutely required. And I think that's where what we are on the cusp of now uh, within the Anglican communion globally, yes, but I think broad more broadly, I think it's coming upon the the dissenting evangelical independent churches as well in various movements, various fellowships are facing the same issue across the Anglosphere. And um, we are, uh, you know, the Ezra Institute has long advocated for a new reformation, reformational Mm -hmm. thinking, a time of reform within the life of the church again. And I think we are beginning to see the beginnings of that. uh, uh, It's becoming a necessity in light of what's taking place within the culture and how that is infiltrating the life of the church. So there's persecution, growing marginalization and persecution from the outside. But there's also this persecution from the inside, and and when that takes place, you have to have differentiation. You have to have reform.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. May it uh, may it be so. Lord, send revival. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, it, it's worth observing, and we we say it uh, pretty regularly in different contexts, even in the context of of the Ezra Institute. That you know we're not uh, we're not interested in maintaining institutions and organizations just for the sake of propping them up and continuing that organization. We want we want ultimately the glory of God and movements, institutions, partnerships, to the extent that they are, to the extent that they are supportive of that, uh, of that ultimate mission, they can be, they can be good and effective, but uh, they don't, they don't exist simply for their own sake.
0: No, absolutely. And, you know, we only have to look at the book of Revelation and the letters to the churches to recognize that no Mm. no church has a right to be permanent. No institutional. By that, I mean the institutional expression of the church. There is different ways the Bible understands and uses the term church, of course, um, as the ultimately the invisible body of Christ throughout all of history. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that is, of course, utterly permanent. But the institutional expressions of the church have no right to a permanent existence just because they've been uh, recognized at some point in history or embraced by a people at some point in history. Um, they will be, um, well, the, the Bible is, is actually clear that where there's unfaithfulness, our lampstand will be taken away. Um, indeed, uh, you know, if there is unfaithfulness, and apostasy, then uh, we will be cut off. Um, you know, Paul warns that uh, we shouldn't boast and say, well, look, you know, the, 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 the original vine was broken off so that we could be crafted in. Uh, well, if the natural branches weren't spared, why would we think we're going to be spared? So God is about working in history with a faithful people. And uh, where churches have moved away from that institution, the institutional life of the church has become apostate, then there needs to be repentance. Otherwise, uh, we are only in the grip of God's judgment. Um, and so we can we can talk about in some respects the way we're, we're seeing that nationally also at the, at the cultural and at the state level, mm-hmm. where there was once a Christian confession, where there was once a yeah. an open recognition of the supremacy of God, of the lordship of Christ, of being a nation under God, as we see in the American Constitution. Um, when uh, Where oaths of office are taken on the Bible, where uh, coronation oaths are taken um, in the presence of, of God and under the authority of the Lord Jesus. When we start to apostatize from that, well, then we can expect political corruption. We can expect indefinite lockdowns of the church. We can expect mm-hmm. the seizure of church property. We can expect this the, siege, the attempted seizure or closure of Christian charities that are seen to uh, not be consistent with the ideological agenda of the, of the secular state. We can expect media not to give Christians a fair shake we can expect the development of a narrative that demonizes christians who are simply trying to be faithful in their homes their families their churches to teach the faith to raise their children to preach the gospel and share the gospel with their neighbor um we'll see that increased pressure within the culture we'll see increased judgment on the culture uh, as a result
1: yeah i think you're totally right and it's also I, as we uh... As, as as we think about sort of trying to remain faithful in an unfaithful generation, I guess it's it's just worth remembering that uh, that righteous men like the prophet Jeremiah are sometimes caught up in the judgment on an unrighteous nation, and uh, that's right. And these these are these are some of the realities of of God's judgment.
0: I was just going to say, yeah, things are yes, things are you know are variously brought to light and exposed, um, and uh, you know the 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 reality is is that um, sin comes to light, whether it's in the church or or, or or in the culture. And actually, there's an interesting thing going on right now. Just as a passing remark, that um, the Daily Telegraph in the UK has been running a multi-day expose of. Certain governmental figures in uh, British politics who were essentially uh, acting as the puppeteers of the of the lockdown, of the taking away of people's freedoms, of political manipulations, of threats to other MPs, egregious, incredible threats to to fellow members of parliament. If they did not follow the lockdown narrative, it's all starting to come out. You can be sure the truth will out. It will out in the church. God will bring it. God will expose it. And it will out in the culture as well.
1: That's right. I want to move on. I we don't uh, we don't have as much time for uh, for this week's podcast, but I do want to uh, to get into yeah, a couple of a uh, couple of related things. Maybe I'll I'll just allude to uh, this uh, back here in Canada, the passage of this uh, or the it's gone back to the House of Commons for a second review, uh, Bill C eleven. Uh, it's officially called the Online Streaming Act. It's unofficially known as the Internet Censorship Bill, and it uh, it purports to. Uh, and we, when we've talked about this uh, this bill before, when it was under a different name a couple of years ago, but this bill purports to give uh, Canadian content creators a uh, an equal footing with, I guess. Better resourced, better produced uh, American and other uh, other productions on platforms like Netflix and uh, things like that. But what it does is opens the door to government control, state control of all uh, all uh, content, all uh, user produced content. You know whether it's a podcast like this you know, whether it's a, uh, whether it's a child doing an unboxing of a toy video on YouTube, whatever it is, there is, the the door is open for the Canadian government to have some kind of regulation over all of that content. And the reason that I, that I wanted to uh, just bring that up and continue to make people aware of that is for, uh, you know, with, with regards to our own housekeeping here at the institute, uh, Joe, uh, we, we've had uh, we've had an interaction recently with uh, with state media on our own account, isn't that right?
0: That's right. Yeah, and um, I'm glad you you raised the issue again of the of what's been dubbed the the censorship bill. We learned in the last two or three years, didn't we, that when governments are given certain powers, uh, they uh, use them, don't think they won't use them. Uh, Mm -hmm. They even if it's discreetly or gradual, they they'll use them. They are very reticent to give them back or surrender them once given. And even when powers are assumed with the best of intentions, for example, powers during World War Two. The uh, in order to um, uh, deal with a a genuine uh, crisis, national crisis, international crisis, uh, many of those powers that were assumed by the state were then retained even when the war was long over. And so that's the great danger with this bill. And I think it also has the effect of empowering um, more malicious actors within. Uh, the culture within uh, the bureaucracy within state media, as you call it rightly, when you've got a state funding media, you really have a state media. I think we saw that again in the last three years in in, in Canada to uh, to be ut- utilize that media to to bring down and destroy mediating institutions uh, to undermine the mediating institutions that that actually guard us from the the all-powerful character of of an overreaching state. I mean, that's the family, the church, the various vocations, charities, organizations, guilds, institutions. These are mediating institutions that have a degree of independence. In the Christian view, they're spheres of authority under God that that prevent us from standing naked before an all-powerful state. And um, we were recently approached... um, Uh, by the CBC, Uh, for those in Britain, that's the equivalent of the BBC, for those in the US, that that is the equivalent of the the British Broadcasting Corporation, but in Canada, Um, uh, asking us about our posture on a variety of issues as an organization, questioning, uh, basically, the questions implied, already implied our guilt, because the questions effectively accused us of things like, transphobia and homophobia for being christian for advancing right. a christian world and life view for defending the gospel for proclaiming a christian view of marriage between a man and a woman these basic historic ordinary things that christians have believed for 2000 years um that that makes you now mentally ill or mm. in some way um a dangerous um malign Uh, movement bent on the destruction of other people. This is the implication of the way questions are increasingly framed uh, to believers in the media as though you are already guilty. And it's just a question of um, uh, exposing that. And uh, we uh, know, amongst um, others, actually, because we've been contacted by others who have told us they've had similar approaches, that we have been spied on effectively by the CBC in our conferences, Mm -hmm. Um, and that a a documentary series is going to be produced about Christians uh, in Canada, conservative Christians in Canada, a sort of reform movement, if you will, within Canada, of believers Mm -hmm. who are talking about freedom and liberty Who are talking about family and say again.
1: So they say all eight of us.
0: (laughs) Yeah, precisely. Um, We're actually talking increasingly about a marginal persecuted minority of pastors who are willing to speak and say what the Christian view of human identity and marriage actually are who are willing to talk about the constitutional history of our own countries, our own nations, who are willing to talk about freedom and liberty under God and our historic freedoms and liberties. And those people who dare to speak about these things now are becoming targets of vilification, of threats of the removal of their charitable status. Just think about pregnancy care centres in Canada. It was actually Mm -hmm. a Liberal government manifesto pledge to go after the... Uh, charity status of pregnancy care centers who are working with women who are in a crisis pregnancy saying to them that there is other options than just abortion. Um, and you know, increasingly, this is what we're saying about the nature of the legal apparatus for the uh, persecution and, and in the end, the expunging of Christianity from culture and public life altogether. So that you're in a situation, which I've been in in, in in times past in the Islamic world, where you're meeting with Christians in secret, in homes, sometimes watched by secret police. I mean, this is the stuff that happens in China. This is what's going on in mm-hmm. North Korea. This is what's happening in large parts of the Islamic world, where myself and some of our fellows have traveled and spoken and ministered. And we're talking about these things increasingly happening in Canada. Um, and, um, we don't know what this documentary series is going to say, of course, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but as looking of, at, um, uh, as of
1: this recording, it's not, uh, it's not been released.
0: It's not been released. No, so. uh, we're told it's going to be released as a radio series. We're told there's going to be a series of web stories. Um, mm-hmm. but I have a prediction for you, Ryan, if you want my prediction, it could be wrong. My prediction is that this, <laughs> i thought he might be
1: (laughs) (laughs) my prediction is that are you anticipating a favorable review
0: (laughs) (laughs) let's just say i'm not anticipating that these christians are going to be held in in a positive light that i i think this is going to be a, a a hit piece a smear campaign against certain christians churches charities movements institutions in canada uh that are speaking openly about the gospel and the christian worldview and the lordship of jesus and and uh, our the, our history of freedom and liberty and of a another movement uh, a radical progressive movement that is seeking seeking to stamp out uh christian faith from the public sphere i think that we're going to see a demonizing of of those christians um and uh and an attempt to drive them underground and to push them out of the public space, perhaps even to to, uh, to to start movements to try and remove the the charitable status of certain pastors, churches, charities, organisations. Um, and so, yes, we 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 this is this is very real for Christians. This is not some future um, uh, prediction about uh, a, a culture turning against us. This is this is the lived reality of faithful Christians mm-hmm. today, increasingly in the West.
1: And yeah, well, I mean, to, to tell you the truth, it uh, I, I share I share your uh, your prediction there that uh, that this will be be an unfavorable portrayal. On the other hand, the th- are the the message that we have, as you say, it's in line with historic Christian orthodoxy. There's nothing nothing uh, novel about uh, about the message of the institute about the doctrine of the Institute and it's all out there in public so I'm not I'm not ashamed to have our already public statements uh, excerpted and put to a uh, put out to a wider audience and I'll, I'll honestly be very interested to see who else is uh, who else is on that series and we might want to connect with them
0: <laughs> indeed yes that's right I mean um, it's a bit like Jesus isn't it when he said to the um it reminds me of the incident where Jesus is is teaching, uh, uh, has been teaching openly, mm. um, but when they eventually come to arrest Jesus, um, he says, "Well, haven't you know, haven't I, haven't I said all of these things? Haven't I been teaching openly in the temple already? Um, uh, you know, for which one of these are uh, uh, am I being um, am I being uh, uh, arrested?" And I think that, you know, for, for, for faithful Christians, it's like, well, look, this has been the message of the Christian pulpit in Canada, in the United States, in the United Kingdom for centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, this, these, these are public statements that it's the public message of the pulpit. It's the public writing of Christians for, for generations about marriage, about truth, about freedom, about human identity, about human sexuality and family and so on. There's nothing new here, and uh, uh, there's certainly um, a defence and apologetic for those things that may be uh, different from what it was in generations past. It has to be slightly different because the the challenges, the the mode of attack against these basic Christian truths and doctrines, is different. So the apologetic uh, may have newer elements to it, but the fundamentals are the same. And as you say, um, we are we are. Uh, Honored to stand with the Bible, just to, to privilege to stand with uh, the the martyrs, the, the, the faithful throughout the centuries. And of course, um, honored and humbled to be able to stand with our Lord, who says, if the world hates you, hates me, it's going to hate you as well. And um, if That's we great. have the privilege of sharing some of the reproach of Christ, then we wear it as a badge of honor.
1: That's right. That would have been another good passage to read at the beginning, but thematically, you've uh, you've wrapped that up really well here, Joe. Thanks for that. Uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, that book uh, by the uh, the White House uh, spiritual advisor. I've uh, got it here. The author is Johnny Moore, and the book is just called "The New Book of Christian Martyrs," and that's uh, that should be available, you know, at uh, at all your book outlets. I expect. Well, Joe, thanks so much for being here. There was, uh, there was a lot on the slate that uh, maybe we'll have to save for, for another episode. The world is big. There's a lot going on. We did not deal with it in an hour. <laughs> but uh,
0: There's a lot of stuff Here we are. We?
1: Absolutely. From all of us here at the Institute, we remind you that whatever is going on in the world, from him and through him and to him, are all things. That's Jesus Christ. We stand on his word and we'll look forward to being with you again next week.